Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The times in which we live are confusing, chaotic, and frankly, just don't make any sense. When we think we've heard it all, something new comes along. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that the end times will be defined by deception. It will be difficult to know what's right and wrong, real and fiction. Stay grounded in God's Word. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 29, 2020. People need the church to be open. That's not love. Have you seen the suicide statistics? That's not love. This is love. People need the church of God, the Word of God, the love of God like no other time in human history. That's love. I am personally of the belief that there's a war on churches, and there's a war on Christianity. And in addition to revving up the war on churches, there's also a revving up of wars and rumors or threats of wars in the Middle East. This is a prophecy from Jesus Himself. It's recorded in Matthew 24, when the disciples asked Him, what are going to be the signs of the end of the age and of your return? And Jesus answers them, and He says to them, first thing, by the way, and we we read past it, and dismiss it even, to our own peril. You know what the first thing Jesus said would be a sign of the end? You ready for it? wait for it, in a word, deception. Let no man deceive you. Deception, false Christs. And then after that, he says that there will be nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places, and he likens them all to birth pains, which come in greater frequency and greater intensity. But when he makes this statement that there will be wars and rumors of wars, it's better understood this way. There's going to be wars at the time of the end, but there's also going to be threats of wars. On Wednesday, again, very busy week, Times of Israel posted an article about Syria's news agency reporting that Israel 
carried out strikes near Damascus, Isaiah 17.1. On the Golan Heights border, Ezekiel 38, from the north. The alleged attack hit sites connected to Iran and its proxies. Syrian state media reported no casualties, but a pro-opposition group says eight pro-Iranian fighters, Iranian fighters were killed. That was Wednesday. Then on Friday, you probably heard about this, breaking news. (laughs) Iran's top nuclear scientist was assassinated. This is big. According to the Times of Israel, top Iranian officials were blaming Israel for the nuclear mastermind's killing and were vowing revenge, threatening revenge. Hussein Dehgan, an advisor to Iran's supreme leader Ali Khamenei and a presidential candidate in Iran's 2021 election, issued a warning on Twitter. In the last days of their gambling allies' political life, the Zionists seek to intensify and increase pressure on Iran to wage a full-blown war. Dehgan wrote, appearing to refer to U.S. President Donald Trump, we will descend like lightning on the killers of this oppressed martyr, and we will make them regret their actions. Them are fighting words where I come from. Enter this Arutz Sheva report, in which they ask the question of, will Trump attack Iran? Hmm. The political echelon has instructed the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, to prepare for a scenario of U.S. action against Iran before the departure of President Donald Trump from the White House in January. Israel fears that in the event of an American attack, the Iranians may retaliate by attacking Israel through the pro-Iranian militias in Syria or the Hezbollah terrorist organization in Lebanon. Should be noted that from another source, the USS Nimitz has been ordered back to the Persian Gulf after Iran's supreme leader threatened war. I think you would agree that what's been dubbed by some, even cryptically so, as a dark winter may in fact be on the horizon. And perhaps in some ways it's already upon us. I don't think it would be hyperbole to suggest that absent an anchor of hope, one could be very easily given over to despair. And if that's you, I want to encourage you today. This is the reason that I sensed the Lord would have me to ask and answer the aforementioned question of, what can I do? What am I to do? 
I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I have no job. I have no income. I have no savings. What am I going to do? What can I do? I want to answer that question. And to do so, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 11. It's a Psalm of David to the chief musician. Verse 1. Here's our answer in part. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their syringe. Arrow, sorry. It says arrow. I'm sorry. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot (laughs) secretly at the upright in heart. Verse 3, here's the question. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can I do? (laughs) The foundations are being destroyed right before our very eyes. What can I do? What can we do? Verse 4, the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Oh, by the way, (laughs) spoiler alert, Isaiah tells us, He's not pacing back and forth in front of the throne. What are we going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? No, He's seated on the throne. Why are you freaking out? Oh God, did you, the the foundations are being destroyed. The enemy makes ready their arrow, their bow. They're secretly plotting against us. Your people, the upright, the righteous. What are the righteous to do? (laughs) I'm here. Okay. Seated on the throne. His eyes, this is important, behold. You know what that means? He sees everything. You know how we are? I don't think God holds this against us. I do it all the time. He was like, God, did you see what they did? God's like, hello, I'm all-knowing, I'm all-present, I'm all-powerful. Of course I did. What, what, you're informing me of something I didn't know about? Yeah, but did you see what they did? I see everything. His eyelids test the sons of men. What does that mean? You know how when you squint to zero in on and focus on, and that's what the eyes of the Lord are doing. Oh, that settles me. You know, in Revelation 1, the eyes of Jesus are like fire. I'm like, yeah. Is that bad? The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence. Now this is going to mess some of you up. Jam your gears, crash your hard drive, whatever metaphor you want. Take your pick. The one who loves violence, his soul hates. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. 
upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. You'll forgive me for saying it and reading it like that, but there's a tendency on our part, and again, I'm just as guilty as the next guy. I mean, it's like, yeah, God, get him. And then when I read that again, I think, wait a minute. I go from being angry with them to being sorry for them. Oh, this is what's coming upon them. There's coming a day when they will give an answer for the evil and the wickedness that they have done. Verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Let's come back to verse 1. In the Lord I put my trust. Now, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, right? We sing, we sing it, we memorize it, we know it, we read it, we hear it. Trust the Lord. Do you know what that means, to trust in the Lord? It means that you trust Him no matter what. Let me expound just for a moment. If you are here full of fear, you know what you're saying? I don't trust the Lord. That's why I'm so fearful, because if you trust the Lord, you have nothing to be afraid of. Replete throughout Scripture, there is verse after verse, passage after passage, where we read, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid of. Trust the Lord. Proportionate to your trust in the Lord, you will have no fear. And conversely, proportionate to the amount of fear you have, that is the amount of trust in the Lord that you don't have. Okay, pastor, I, with all due respect, appreciate what you're saying, but you don't understand. There's no way I'm going to make it through this. If you only knew what <laughs> I'm dealing with, well, you're, you're going to make it through. Trust the Lord. Wait, wait. What, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm just, wait, wait how, how, how reasonable, how logical is this? I just don't trust that the Lord is going to, you know, provide and get me through this. And wait, you're trusting Him when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up, raptured up to be with the Lord. You're trusting Him for that, but you can't trust Him for this? Let me see if I got this straight. God so loved you that He sent His only begotten Son to die for you, and you can't trust Him to do that for you? Is there anything Romans 8, Paul says, 
Is there anything that he would withhold from you? If he was willing to give you his only begotten son to die for you, is there anything he won't do for you? Listen, if you ask anything according to his will, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. Trust him. Yeah, but I, I, I just don't see. I know all things work together for the good. To them that love God are called according to his purpose. Don't quote me that verse when I'm going through a trial. I know that verse. But I just, I think this is the exception. Really? Wow. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. Trust in the Lord and wait on the Lord. These two verses in Psalm 27 have been for me personally a lifeline over the years, particularly when our daughter Noel died. David writes, I would have lost heart. He was at the end, (laughs) rock bottom. And he had come to the place where, that's it, this is how it ends. (laughs) I would have, almost did, came very close to giving up, losing heart, unless, now listen to this very closely, I had believed that I would see. Stop right there. Wait. Seeing is believing. No, 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 no. Believing is seeing. Unless I had believed, trusted, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says this, and and it's almost like he's talking to himself. And by the way, in uh, the previous Psalm, Psalm 11, uh, did you notice that? How dare you say to me, run and flee New York and, you know, Los Angeles and run into the mountains. I'm not going to run anywhere. He, that's, who's saying that to him? I think it's him. I think David's saying that to David. Oh, it's, it's all throughout the Psalms. It's not self-talk, it's a talk to self. There's a difference, not a play on words. He's going, maybe I should run, maybe I should flee. No. And here he's given himself a good talking to. And sometimes I think we would do well to give ourselves a good talking to. Sit down, boy. We need to talk. (laughs) Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. And he says it a second time. Wait, I say on the Lord. You know, you could sum up this Oh, powerful, precious, priceless psalm with these words. Just wait, you'll see. That's what he's saying. Just wait, you'll see. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see how. Just wait. You'll see. No, it's, but first of all, I don't want to wait. I want to see. No, you have to wait. Wait on the Lord. Oh, if you only knew what he's about to do. You're sitting here looking at me going, Pastor, I'm telling you, I appreciate your preaching, your delivery, your humor, sort of your humor, not all the time, but (laughs) I got to tell you, 
That's easy for you to say. Oh, really? As God knows my heart, there have been so many times where I would have lost heart. I thought, Lord, there's just no way. Only to hear the Lord say, just wait, you'll see what I'm going to do. I can't promise you, God promises you, but I can testify. Put me on the witness stand, I'll testify. And I, I mean this with all the love, and again, God knows my heart. But whatever it is that you're going through, it's not going to have the final word in your life. God will. And would you believe if I told you, because I've been on the receiving end of this more times than you could ever imagine, where God did the impossible. And He did it in a way that He could not have otherwise done it, had it not been for that painful, I mean painful, I mean fetal position, you can't even pray, you're just, sounds are coming out, if that. He is faithful. He will never leave you or forsake you, and don't let the enemy get away with that in your life. You know what he does to me? He starts putting fearful thoughts in my mind, and being the stupid idiot that I am, I entertain them. Like, you're not getting out of this one. Well, you've got yourself in quite a mess this time, haven't you? Yeah, I do. This is really bad. Yeah, I know it's really bad. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. What am I going to do? This is really bad. Oh, maybe God is angry with you. Is He? That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't believe that. God took all of His anger and He put it on His only begotten Son on that cross at Calvary. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He actually even likes you. Imagine that. God's going to see you through and He's going to do it in ways that you could have never imagined. Use your God-given imagination and try to imagine the most, I mean, crazy, amazing, fabulous, fantastic way that God could, you know, do this for you. And, and then that even is not the way He's going to do it. He's going to do it exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that in your imagination you could have imagined. Just wait, you'll see. Isaiah 40, I would be remiss if I didn't Read this, again, probably a life verse for many. Starts off in verse 28 with two rhetorical questions. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Oh, you didn't hear? What? Oh, the everlasting God, the Lord. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. 
Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.